Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning. Uh, We necessarily lead off today with the news of a shooting death, that of Duante Wright, 20-year-old black man in Brooklyn Center by a Minneapolis police officer, um, who the chief has said mistook her sidearm for a non-lethal taser. So there is grief all around, and that grief is complicated by the ongoing trial of another former police officer in the same city charged with murder and the death of George Floyd while in police custody on Memorial Day 2020. And so the jury in that case uh, is now potentially influenced as the outrage of people in uh, in the community has been expressed not only in peaceful protests, but in looting area businesses, vandalizing properties, throwing concrete blocks and other projectiles, including fireworks at police officers. The National Guard was mobilized yesterday, three counties in Minnesota under a 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew, which um, many did not respect last night, leading to uh, lots of confrontations. Um, Axios is reporting it this way this morning. Minnesota's raw rage played out on the world's TV screens last night. Cable news reporters choked on tear gas. Hold on, I got to move my cursor over a little bit. Uh, Cable news reporters choked on tear gas and furious demonstrators used the F word live on both CNN and MSNBC. Police clashed with protesters in Brooklyn Center. Um, they go on to report what I've already told you about the uh, the situation. And then they say this. Uh, authorities fired multiple rounds of tear gas along with rubber bullets and flash grenades. That was reported in the Star Tribune. Protesters di- dispersed from areas that were hit by the tear gas, but then regrouped and retaliated by throwing water ballers and launching fireworks directly at police. Um, so you say to yourself, but I heard that there was a peaceful vigil. Yep, there was. Earlier, prior to the curfew, there was a peaceful vigil attended by some 300 people led by several pastors from the area who prayed not only for the Wright family, um, but the event was attended by uh, uh, Duante Wright's mother, his brother, and his grandfather who addressed the crowd and, and certainly appealed for and asked for peace. The whole situation is, in my view, uh, complicated by... Um, politicians who aren't from the area, but who nonetheless uh, believe they are in a position to speak into um, those local community concerns, most notably uh, Michigan Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who has called for an end of all policing, all policing. Um, She says it can't be reformed. She posted on Twitter, Duante Wright was met with aggression and violence, and I am done with those who condone government-funded murder. No more policing, no more incarceration, no more militarization. It can't be reformed. Now, that's not leadership. That is the cowardice of throwing one's hands up in the air and saying, let it all go to hell. Uh, And that's not who we are, and it must not be how we respond when, yes, our system's are broken. People are broken. People do terrible things and accidents happen. Uh, And we must not simply concede to sin and devolve into anarchy. And so 
Um, let me uh, let me turn for a moment to some audio that we pulled from yesterday's press conference where I really felt like uh, the mayor of St. Paul, Minnesota, Melvin Carter, um, had some had some important things for us to hear. We're mourning so many people and we shouldn't have to do that anymore. And so we stand here today with a few truths that are all true at the same time. We don't have to choose. It's true that George Floyd should still be alive. It's true that there is just no justification for us losing Dante Wright yesterday. It's true that those responsible for these deaths must be held accountable for their deaths. It's true that you cannot honor the memory of George Floyd. You cannot honor the memory of Dante Wright by wreaking havoc in the communities and the neighborhoods that they called home. So I want to call us to uh, prayer and support of leaders like that. Uh, Melvin Carter is seeking to lead. Others are seeking to lead as well. Um, and and let us be people who prayerfully support them and support them in, in tangible ways as well. Let's be people who not only respect curfews, but respect uh, those in, in law enforcement and respect peaceful protesters who do have the right um, to very publicly mourn and grieve and um, and wail, but they do not have the right to tear down uh, our communities. And so let's um, let's be the people of prayer in the midst of all of this, recognizing that, as Mayor Melvin Carter so eloquently um, said, there are lots of truths at play, and they're all true at the same time. Um, and we stand in the midst of that as the people of truth. And so I just want to encourage you um, on that front today. Uh, Nick Pitts, a fellow from the Institute for Global Engagement, joins us next. He and I are going to cover some other headlines of the day. We'll be right back. Joining me now, Nick Pitts. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement, and he's engaged to be married. Nick, welcome back. Why, hello, Carmen. Yes, yes. Miracles do happen. Our God is in the business. I think you should introduce us to her. Like, you don't have to tell us her name, but like, tell us about this person who, with whom you are so in love that you put a ring on her finger and ask her Uh, to spend the rest of her life with you. Yeah, yeah, happy to. So it happened on the 21st night of September. Um, So that was the first time we met. So Earth, Wind and Fire do approve of this from what I gather. Uh, It was before the pandemic uh, started. I was I had an extra ticket to a a Keith Urban uh, concert. It was in Nashville, of all places. I just got through with a work event and flew over there from Dallas for a weekend with friends and with family. And I had an extra ticket and my roommate, um, he, his girlfriend, uh, former college roommate, uh, 
was I love free that these night. kinds of stories. I yeah. love these kinds of stories. My roommate's so, girlfriend's former roommate from college. I love that. Yeah. That's how this is supposed yeah. to work. So, um, so yeah, I, uh, it just ended up, she ended up coming. And then uh, I, I think my dance moves in the fields of Franklin, Tennessee, to the style, musical stylings of Keith Urban wooed her enough to make her want to at least uh, get more information. So, yeah, during the pandemic, we're one of those people <laughs> that uh, just continued to talk and um, just continued to uh, figure out uh, what we value, what we love, and then just kind of fell in love from there. And then, mm. lo and behold, uh, I knew that it was time. And, uh, yeah, so in March of this year after – and you would only expect this from me, Carmen – um, after I went ahead cause we were a long distance for about a year before she moved to Dallas. And so I calculated, uh, I went back over the past 12 months and calculated how many times I called her for how long. And so I told her, uh, I love one of the ways that we can communicate because we talked on the phone for 496 times for 15,584 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, and I knew that I wanted to spend, and she didn't say to herself, her. okay, if you're just going to count everything. <laughs> exactly. 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 So, oh. yeah, uh, life, uh, God is good. Life is great. And um, I'm in a, uh, I'm a blessed man. Amen. Well, we we need some good news stories. So thank you for sharing one um, this morning. <laughs> and just, you know, heaps of blessings on the whole thing. Uh, have you set a wedding date? No, we have not. It, okay. I would imagine because you know, I, be I know you're not going to come on. I know you're not going to come on during the honeymoon, and probably not in the lead up. So you know, this is all about me. I was looking at my own schedule and worried. <laughs> so there you go. Um, let's um, in matters of life and death. Let's um, let's talk about the death of a rapper. Now, I just am going to go ahead and confess to you. This is a world you already know this about me. This is not a world that I inhabit and know much about. So you're going to have to tell us who was DMX and why are we talking about his death. My goodness gracious! So DMX tragically died at age uh, over the weekend, I believe on Friday, um, and so news of his death was um, untimely. Death was covered up, obviously, by Prince Philip. Um, passed away as well on Friday over the weekend. But what was fascinating about DMX is he is just he's a he is a very popular rap artist. Um, uh, for the millennial generation really was popularized during the 90s and into the early 2000s, known for hits such as Rough Rider Anthem um, and X Gonna Give It To You and Party Up, just very much high-energy rap songs that were just very candid. Um, and if you listen to them, you would think, well, this is, this is, this is not Christian explicitly, and it even uses some language that would be questionable at best. But one of the fascinating things about DMX is over the years, God was just continuous in his pursuit of him. The hound of heaven was on DMX and he utilized his time, uh, utilized his time and platform as of late to really share about the power of God, the goodness of God and the temptations um, um, brought about by the devil. And was just I mean, when I when you watch how DMX continued to wrestle with and pursue after God. In these later years, you really do see a man after God's own heart would utilize his platform when Dr. Phil was interviewing him to mm -hmm. share about how the devil was after him. But the power of God and communion with God in prayer was so powerful. 
would read Ecclesiastes uh, on his Instagram live account and comment on it. Uh, opened up a Bible study during on Instagram live during the height of the pandemic to try to ease calm, uh, provide calmness and ease anxieties. Really was just a man that didn't didn't necessarily fit whatever our what might be the part of what it would look like, but was just continual in his pursuit of allowing God to transform him from one degree of glory to the next. And tragically, we lost him o- over the week, over the weekend. And our world is uh, is a little uh, is a little lesser because of that. Mm. One more saint in the kingdom of heaven, um, which is in and of itself a testimony as well. Hey, Nick Pitts and I have to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation. Um, We're going to touch on some developments uh, related to the southern border of the United States. That's coming up on Mornings with Carmen. I feel like Paul Perot has found Nick Pitts' jam. (laughs) It's totally I'd possible. Love it. I'd love I love too. it. All right. Um, so you live in Dallas. That is in the great state of Texas. Down on the Texas southern border, um, the number of people who have come illegally across the border, although, see, here's where I get a little bit confused because under the Biden administration, are they coming illegally? I See, this is a big confusion to me. We got massive, massive numbers of people um, coming across the southern border. However, the White House did announce on Monday that it had reached agreements with Mexico and other Central American countries to step up their military presence at their borders in an effort to stem migration to the United States. Maybe just give us uh, some perspective on what's happening at the southern border. Yeah, it should be encouraging for those of us that are um, concerned about what's happening at the border right now. The White House reached agreements, like you said, with Mexico and other Central American countries to step up their military presence. This is a uh, I guess this is one less step that the Trump administration did where the Trump administration not only worked with other uh, countries, uh, southern uh, south of the border countries, to step up their military presence, but two, to be able to send them back to their particular countries. And so to kind of reimagine, if you will, the individuals that are coming to our borders right now seeking entrance, it's not just simply Mexico. There are many that are coming from Guatemala and Nicaragua. They're coming much further south because, one, uh, the coronavirus has ravaged uh, their local economy and they're looking for work. Or two hurricanes have struck significantly uh, this past year and have just really made it unlivable uh, conditions in their homes. And so they're looking for a place where they can get uh, just the very thing such as clean drinking water. Um, And so they're leaving these places. But what we need to know is that we're... 15-year highs right now when it comes to border apprehensions. And so the um, officials apprehended more than 170,000 migrants at the southwest border in March, which is up nearly 70% from February. And they're crossing in a variety of ways. In Texas, uh, a few weeks ago, agents searched the belly dump portion of a tractor trailer and discovered 52 illegal immigrants hiding inside And so there's just this huge push right now to get at the border. And in turn, you're just seeing a a variety of um, just 
horrible things that are happening. Children uh, are being dropped from 14-foot border walls. Human smugglers are opening, openly advertising on Facebook. And sex offenders are coming over um, in high numbers right now. And we just need to get a handle on it. So in El Salvador, um, we are apparently uh, USAID, uh, which would be the United States agency that works on these things in in foreign countries. Uh, so in El Salvador, USAID said it's seeking to partner with businesses to create 10,000 jobs, um, uh, including jobs for likely vulnerable and displaced youth. Um, there are there's some conversation about the United States sending direct financial support to people in Central America to help them rebuild their homes or stay right there. Um, obviously, there are those here in the United States who uh, are not supportive of that that kind of idea. Um, but both in Guatemala and Honduras, the United States is scaling up its agricultural assistance um, and providing skills training. With the 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 goal being, the hope being that people would be employable right where they are. And that those places would become more economically resilient. Um, that way, people would be less likely to migrate in the first place, and certainly less likely to re-migrate um, mm-hmm. in the future for those who've been sent back. So, I just want to touch uh, touch on that topic this morning. It's a developing story. People have very emotional um, reactions to it. Obviously, the the concern, um, the the pro life, pro human flourishing concern is very real for those of us who are Christians. Um, but I do, you know, also understand the very real concerns that um, that we have related to, you know, people, frankly, flowing across the border. And um, and I don't think that that's a wrong way to characterize it. I mean, when you when you talk about tens of thousands of people, you're talking about a flow of um, of it's a it's a migrant flow. It's not, you know, it's it, it's then there's no end in sight. Yeah. And Carmen, you brought up a really great point and just. Providing context right now, it seems like our conversation is is we're given the false dichotomy of letting no one in or letting everyone in, and mm. that and that's whenever you have when you have, you, that false dichotomy doesn't one it doesn't fit the biblical narrative and two it might be the political narrative, but we've been called to follow Jesus and not the crowd, regardless of whatever their ideology is, and so no we don't just continue to lift the wall higher and higher we need to exercise compassion for those that are on the outside but also we need to exercise compassion for those on the inside as well to the to protect one's family uh to continue to provide security uh for those uh for our citizens and those of the household and so what does it look like to exercise compassion well it's not letting everyone in but like you mentioned like what we did during the bush administration is to be able to provide um, diplomatic support, humanitarian aid down south of the border in those places, because we realize it's a human condition. You want to be home. Like no one's looking Mm -hmm. to come here because they they necessarily just hate their home. They would much rather find a job where their family is, where their local community is. They're looking, they're desperate, looking for someplace. Well, what would it look like is if we continue to invest in these communities and in turn, we re- get a return on that investment, one, because we're not having to spend so much money at the border, but also to the return that comes back in this globalized economy where you have individuals that are participating in it in a much healthier fashion. I just think that that's a that's an idea that we need to begin 
to uh, to amplify during this time because it really is an opportunity for us to help those individuals, but in turn, it has the propensity to be able to help us in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. Really good observations. All right, Nick, as always, thank you so much. Um, Blessings on you. We look forward to our next conversation. Can't wait. Thanks so much, Carmen. Absolutely. That's Nick Pitts. You can find him at the Institute for Global Engagement. He also tweets at J. Nick Pitts. We'll be right back. All right. What in the world is going on in the world? I've got Luke Moon from the Philos Project and Providence Magazine joining me next. We're going to talk about Iran, which also means then we're going to talk about Israel And we are also going to um, honor the life of another person who recently died. Um, You know, it's interesting. Yesterday, uh, I talked about the death of Prince Philip. Um, But there's just a number of, I mean, maybe every death is notable. I should say it that way. But there are certainly some very high-profile individuals um, who have died recently. Um, And we're going to talk about one of those who really was a life well-lived um, and a person who who gave his life in the service and aid of others. So we're going to have that conversation next with Luke Moon. We'll be right back. I grew up in a day when rules were strict, beds were made, and lectures were delivered. And ignoring the rules wasn't an option. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Whether or not your home was like mine, you're probably well aware. It's not like that anymore. These days, lecturing doesn't snap a kid back in line. It simply causes him to shut down. I've found that constant advice on how to do things right or better only serves to create distance. In fact, Mom and Dad, when all you do is lecture, your teen will begin to see you as judgmental. And of course, that's not what you're trying to communicate. So learn new ways of engaging. Cut the lecture. Start the conversation. There's more from Mark Gregston on Parenting Today's Teens website. Get helpful tips for moms and dads when you visit ParentingTodaysTeens.org. The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet they'll cast their golden crowns. Joining me again today, Luke Moon. You can find him at the Philos Project, philosproject.org. You can also find him on Twitter where he tweets at LukeMoon1. Luke, welcome back. Hey, Carmen. Good hey. to be with you. Yeah, it's good to have you. Let's, um, let's start with Iran, and then I definitely want to, um, I want to get to the story um, about the death of the Assyrian Aid Society uh, Iraq leader. So that's um, that's on my radar. So um, Iran has a nuclear reactor. Uh, it mysteriously powered down uh, in ways that Iran, um, you know, describes as uh, an act of war or, or certainly uh, terrorism. They blame Israel. I was reading this morning that Iran has said it, quote, reserves the right to retaliate which sounds to me like at least one step back in diplomatic speak from we will we will retaliate. So what's what's going on? Right. Well, they have a you know one of their underground uranium enrichment facilities. Uh, you know had a had a power outage. You know as they say, and it's it appears as if there was a small explosion. 
it was it wasn't the kind of power outage like you know your your wire got cut or something like that. This was the kind of power outage that uh, set the Iranian enrichment facility back some somewhere between six to nine months, which is which is great um, because it you know it forestalls uh, you know Iran having a bomb. Which is, you know, the world should be concerned about, but it seems like the defense secretary, uh, Austin, who was in Israel uh, with with Netanyahu, when Netanyahu said, you know, Iran is the greatest threat to our existence right now, he, uh, Secretary Austin was like, didn't even respond at all. So it, it's it seems like Iran is uh, is not the concern. Of the United States to the degree that it is the concern of of Israel, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I think that's um, I think the U.S. silence on the matter. I think that the fact that the way the Biden administration is um, is framing this is that this complicates our outreach to Tehran. Like that is a problem um, yeah. for those of us who recognize that Israel lives in a really dangerous neighborhood, um, and their greatest existential threat comes from um, comes from the Iranian regime. And obviously, a nuclearized Iran is not something anybody wants, but something that Israel, I believe, will not will not let happen. Right. But also, you know, Carmen, one of the things that I think I've raised here before is that if Iran gets the bomb, then there will be basically an arms race in the region. The Saudis will get one. It wouldn't surprise me if the if Turkey gets one and then the Egypt gets one. Right. Like the the this is not, you know, oh. You know, we shouldn't. You know, it's it's not a a, a minor issue, right? The, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember back in the day when when uh, Pakistan and India uh, got the bomb, and and within a few, you know, they got it within probably a month of each other, and then uh, they ramped up their antagonism, and it like I I thought there might be an exchange of nuclear weapons. It was it was that kind of seriousness, and I think it you know that's what. The world should be concerned about when looking at this situation. It's not like, uh, you know, it, in the interest of business relationships with Iran or positive relationships in the region that, you know, we kind of like tiptoe around this issue. We should be as aggressive as as the Israelis on preventing uh, a nuclear Iran. And yet the administration is is like, no, let's go and talk together and and the Iranians are like, we're, we know we're not, we don't want to because, you know, they're just a few months away from getting what they need. So. Yeah, little little motivation, little motivation um, to to talk. Let's um let's pivot to um this this person who you actually know and I do not, um who has passed away, uh, and so I I do not want to mispronounce his name. Talk with us about this champion of Iraq's displaced Christians. Yeah, so so the guy that was the head of the Assyrian Aid Society, a guy named Asher Eskraya, uh, he um, was one of those like really, you know, a good human, like a, just a great man. Uh, you know, in 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 2017, uh, Robert Nicholson and I, uh, along with others, were in Iraq, uh, you know, helping provide for uh, the the refugees uh, that were being displaced uh, by ISIS, Christian refugees, you know, staying in in 
unfinished malls and you know just on the open streets basically it was really terrible and and Osher was one of those guys that just constantly sought the best for his people he was not corrupt which is which was also one of those things that seemed to be rare unfortunately uh and it just had the ability to be in relationship with like all the political parties, all the groups, everybody knew him and everybody just re- gave, really respected him. And then unfortunately, he passed away from uh, COVID. He, it turns out that, you know, he went in for a vaccine. Um, the Austra, uh, Austra, um, AstraZeneca. That mm-hmm. one, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turned out that he had COVID when he got the vaccine. And so, the combination of having COVID and taking the vaccine at the same time killed him. So this really is a tragic loss for not just his family, but for the entire uh, Iraqi Christian community there in, in Northern Iraq. And he will greatly be missed. Yeah, there are, there are people who, whom God uses um, in particular places at particular times um, to do really extraordinary work, and this appears to be one of those individuals. And it's, it's heartbreaking on so many levels because I know that partners are hard to find um, who are uh, not corrupt and have a, have a heart of service for the people and are doing genuine good. This is an individual who was nominated um, for a Nobel Peace Prize uh, a few years ago. Um, I mean, just, it's just, it, it, it's heartbreaking. And so we want to honor him and, um, and his family as well, uh, and the people. Um, so tell us what's going on on the Nineveh Plain in terms of rebuilding, who is on the front lines, um, what, what's happening there? Well, I mean, it was, I mean, Assyrian Aid Society was really on the front lines. And, and, you know, one of the things that the Trump administration had done was to kind of really, uh, shift the effort to trying to make sure that the beleaguered communities got the funds that they needed to to you know rebuild and you know the the uh, Pope's visit kind of you know spurred a lot of you know regrowth and uh, you know repave the roads and and get things looking nice. I mean, I you know I saw a couple weeks ago there was a rededication of a church i remember walking through a town about a mile away from the front lines with isis and walked into a church and it had been burned and and the statues had been decapitated and broken with sledgehammers and and that church was has been since rebuilt which is good it's important but the challenges in that region remain very strong for the christians and they you know they're certainly have very few, you know, allies in in the world, and unfortunately, the U.S. is is not likely to to care about them much anymore for a while. Which means that uh, Christian brothers and sisters must care. Um, it, can we find this online, or is this is this a challenge for us? Is it at AssyrianAid.org? Would I be looking in the right place? That's the one. That's the one. AssyrianAid.org. Right. Yeah. All right. And so I know that. Trusted. It's a trusted place. I I can assure you that that the money going there will will help the people of Iraq, the Christians in particular. Assyrianaid.org. Um, Luke, let's take a very brief break. When we come back, let's pivot to another part of the world. Let's check out what's going on 
in Myanmar and talk a little bit about China. I'm talking with Luke Moon from the Philos Project. You can find him at philosproject.org. And if you want to find the Assyrian Aid um, Society of Iraq, assyrianaid.org. We'll be right back. All right, I'm reading a, a headline that I think uh, Luke Moon will enjoy. Uh, Luke, um, a venomous snake has behaved as a venomous snake. A venomous snake has bitten an employee at the San Diego Zoo. Much to do is being made over the fact that a venomous snake is a venomous snake. I don't know. I, I just read that and thought you might appreciate that headline today. Um, yeah, let's talk about what's... I, I, it's, it's amazing, uh, <laughs> the, you know, when, when news lines bump into reality, right? <laughs> Apparently, African bush vipers are African bush vipers, even if you bring them to San Diego and put them in a zoo. Um, all right, Luke, um, let's talk about what's going on in Myanmar. Um, I just it just the story just continues to get worse. No, they, at this point, uh, 700 people have been killed in the anti-coup uh, protests. Uh, and recently it was it was uh, 80 over the, over the weekend were added to that number. So it seems to not be uh, winding down. And, you know, there was attempts to uh, condemn the coup at the United Nations Security Council. And, you know, as is typical of those, uh, you know, resolutions, uh, it didn't get passed. Uh, this time it was China and Russia uh, that blocked the condemnation, both of them. Uh, are major uh, weapons manufacturers for Myanmar. And also one of the things that we've been keeping an eye on has been uh, this desire of the Chinese to have to, to have a port uh, there in Myanmar. Uh, and, and, you know, so we don't expect at any point in the near future that China is going to, you know, participate in any of the c- condemnation of, of the, uh, of, of the new uh, junta that's in charge of Myanmar. And just to be clear, you know, when we talk about the way here in the United States, um, security forces in places like Minneapolis are responding to riotous uh, protesters. They are using um, tear gas. They are um, using crowd disbursement rubber bullets in some cases. What we're talking about uh, in Myanmar are um, grenades that are shot by rifles. So these are rifle grenades being shot into crowds. Um, that permits the uh, these military people um, to shoot at their own countrymen with a longer effective range. And um, and so we're 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 talking about people that they can't even see right before them. People who are unarmed and and are absolutely no real threat to these very heavily armed. Myanmar security forces. Um, this is a this is a time for us to recognize the difference in the way things are happening um, here and around the world. Uh, let's talk about China as well, Luke. Um, what are I mean? There's so many headlines related to China. What pops for you? Well, there's there's an ongoing kind of uh, a lot of people raising the issue of whether the U.S. should boycott the Winter Olympics. Uh, the Winter Olympics is going to take place. In China, uh, and you know, there's a, there's a clear you know call by a lot of organizations to say because of you know what China is doing to the Uyghurs, 
they, you know, China or the U.S. Not just the U.S. The the West really should should boycott uh, the games. Uh, the administration, the Biden administration, has not come out uh, one way or another. They're, you know, it's kind of like we're looking at all the options, kind of a response. The other, you know, big news is that it 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 seems that um, their vaccine is not as effective as the the others, if you will, the others that have been produced around the world. Uh, it's you know, there's been trials in in Brazil, Turkey, Indonesia, and the effective rate is anywhere between fifty to ninety percent, which is a kind of a it's a it's a, it's a big gap, right? If you're the if you're on the fifty percent line, that's not good. And if you're on the ninety percent, that's better, obviously. But it, you know, to not know it it calls into question the effectiveness at all of of the uh, Chinese vaccine, um, and that's that's in in. And unfortunately, that's the vaccine that is being purchased by a lot of um, more, uh, you know, the, the the poorer countries around the world. Uh, and so it's it's, you know, it's not good for the rest of the world that that is looking for for an inexpensive vaccine. Um, All right. So I know I know you can't see me because it's radio, but I'm actually like my hand is on my forehead. Because I'm 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 tr- I'm just I'm just trying to imagine just for a moment. I mean, I like recognize that people around the world want want some hope of a vaccine that will prevent further hospitalizations and deaths from COVID. I recognize that, mm-hmm. but but there's also this like China is profiting off of uh, off of something that you know, frankly, they caused. Like, this is part of the frustration for me in how this is unfolding globally. Like, this is why I would prefer that the United States get on the forefront of sharing vaccines, um, even if we're just going to sell at a at a reduced cost, um, you know, all of the extra vaccines that we have. And I know there's people probably listening right now. It's like America doesn't have any extra vaccines. Oh, yeah, we do, because we got contracts for every vaccine that's been developed in the Western world. And we're only using three of them. So I'm just, I just, I, I know I probably sound frustrated because <laughs> no, I am. It's it's, well, it's, it's frustrating to, to also be one of those people who gets the Chinese vaccine and it's not effective. That's a, that's, that's a really, because who even knows what it is? Because who even exactly. knows what it is? Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and the problem is, is that, uh, you know, it's, there is going to be a point in the I, I suspect in, you know, in a lot of particularly like the U.S. and places that have been very aggressive in the vaccine process. You know, basically everybody who wants to get vaccinated uh, will will be vaccinated by by summer, which does lend itself for the U.S. to kind of spread around uh, the goods to the to the rest of the world. Um, but it. it you know, it's got to it's it's got to really, you know, help the people. And I'm not sure that China's interests are always about helping the people. It seems that it, that most of the time its interests are either in its own interests or in money. And, you know, that's unfortunate. Yeah. All right. Um, 
for all of you who want to comment on even my idea that there should be vaccine diplomacy, you can always text me at 877-933-2484 because I know I have a lot of people who disagree with me on this point. So uh, I want to give them an opportunity to tell me so. And I get it. Like, I totally get that there's a lot of divergence in terms of um, uh, of whether or not to be vaccinated and certainly what to be vaccinated with. If you choose to be vaccinated, I get it. I get it. I get it. But I also want to hear from you. And I don't want to stifle your ability to communicate. So you can text me at 877-933-2484. You can always email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, Luke, uh, we got one minute left. Um, what do we need to know about what's going on at the Philos Project? Oh, man, so much going on. We we have a, uh, a new movie coming out called Hope in the what? Holy Land. Yeah. No, it's going to be You're amazing. movies. Uh, Hope in yeah, the Holy Land, actually, writing it down. Yeah, Hope in the Holy Land. Uh, it's a movie that we actually, it was one of those things that we started almost five years ago. Uh, and it, take, it took a long time, uh, but one that we w- were very happy with. So we're going to, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, released in, in May, and we're excited about that. So, All right, that's awesome. You can actually go and watch the trailer. Look at that. Yeah, look at that. Yes. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. Delving beneath the surface of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So look at that. I just Googled it. You can find it. Hopeintheholyland.com. Luke, as always, turning us on to great new information and helping us survey what's going on in the world from a Christian worldview. Really appreciate your being with us. Good thing. Thanks, Carmen. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks. We'll be right back. All right, uh, just to give you that website again for the Assyrian Aid Society, um, it is assyrianaid.org. And the reason that you're having a hard time finding it is because you're typing in Syrian. And it's not Syrian, it's Assyrians. We're talking here about Assyrian Christians living in the Nineveh Plain, um, uh, mostly in Iraq. So Assyrian, A-S-S-Y-R-I-A-N, aid.org. That's why you're having a hard time finding it assyrianaid.org if you want to check it out. Um, All right, we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Um, Let me ask this question before we go because I haven't asked it yet today. I bet you are now anticipating it. Where in the word are you today? Where in the word are you today? We're going to lead off next hour um, with a little bit of a conversation about Ramadan, which begins today, um, 30 days uh, that our Muslim neighbors will be deeply engaged in. Uh, it's their holiest month, so it's important for us to know about it and know um, how to be praying as Christians in the midst of it. And then we've got uh, great conversations planned as well with Jeff Barrows from the Christian Medical and Dental Association, as well as Craig Von Busick with his new book, Victor, The Final Battle of Ulysses S. Grant. All of that up in the next hour here on Mornings with Carmen. you got a few minutes to get into the Word if you haven't gotten into the Word already. And so where in the word are you today? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.